Welcome to ASME TechCast, bringing you the innovators, the innovations, and the issues that push the envelope of engineering. I'm Jeffrey Winters, Editor-in-Chief at Mechanical Engineering Magazine. And today I have the distinct pleasure of talking with Michael Abrams, the eighth freelance writer who has written about the development of alternative methods to power airliners in the October-November issue of Mechanical Engineering Magazine. Michael, welcome to the big show. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Uh, you, you, you would say that, but it's, it's no, truly, I'm glad to have you here. And let, let, let me set this up, because I think most of us still remember the time before the pandemic, or just a little bit. And in the late 2010s, there was a movement to highlight the substantial climate impact from long-distance airline flights. There was a, the, the movement was to create a sense of flying shame or however it's pronounced in Swedish to reduce the number of trips by air. Now, the pandemic scrambled all that, but the, the problems of long distance air travel remain. To put it in perspective, let me quote from this month's cover story, fly the climate friendly skies. And the quote is, driving a typical American car for a year emits 4.6 tons of carbon dioxide, according to the Environmental Protection Agency. And in fact, now a full 10% of the, the, the carbon impact of transportation comes from, trans from, from airline flights. In fact, one flight to fly a family of four from New York to San Francisco and back produces 5.6 tons of carbon dioxide. So more than the driving the car per year. It is, that's a lot. And so Michael Abrams, you wrote, you wrote the piece and we have you here. So let's dig in. I mean, now that, that sounds like a lot, but how big of a problem are carbon emissions from, from aviation? When you talk to the experts, did it seem to be universally seen as something that we have to address? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, there are some uh, real goals that that people are working on. Seriously, um, you know, uh, I think a lot, I think there's sort of if if the popular imagination popular imagination turns to this issue at all, they think, oh, okay, well, we're just going to do what we did with cars, uh, and it'll all be fine eventually. Uh, of course, uh, it's not like uh, electric cars have solved everything, but. Um, uh, but actually, the, the problem is, is much bigger because getting a plane in the air takes so much incredible power. Uh, and so batteries uh, are, are, even though there's lots of news about different companies, um, you know, big famous companies, Rolls-Royce, putting electric planes in the air, the, the issue of doing that for uh, planes that are actually the ones com, com, uh, contributing to emissions problems, which are all the bigger jumbo jet planes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the battery's just way too much. And it's, it's, a, it's a huge problem. There's many people on many different fronts uh, tackling the issue, um, but, well, but let, they're let, tack let, tackling it seriously. <laughs> yeah, well, let, let's, I mean, just to underline the point of, of the power involved in, in a jetliner, you, you spoke with Alan Epstein, um, right. who's at MIT, really smart guy. And he, he described it this way. If, if you're ever at a big airport, like, you know, 
getting ready to, to fly across the, the ocean or something like that. And there are three 747s ahead of you. The power embodied by those planes is the same as the power of a, of a nuclear power plant. I mean, that, which is a lot and which is, I mean, it seemed daunting to try to, to, to replace that with, with batteries. Right. Uh, and, and not just daunting, I think he would say, you know, with the current battery technology is essentially impossible. Um, so, I mean, I think it's worth saying here that, you know, that quote, I love that quote, it does give you just pause about how much tremendous amount of power is used uh, every day on, on every, uh, in every major airport. Um, but, the, you know, there's three main um, uh, branches of trying to tackle this problem. Batteries is one. Mm -hmm. uh, the other two are hydrogen and, and the third is, is uh, sustainable aviation fuels uh, or SAFs or sometimes pronounced SAFs. Um, and uh, all of those have the same problem because of the, um, the tremendous power that it takes to, to put a plane in the air. Um, and I think another quote that's uh, similar to, to that one is, is the idea that uh, if you want to turn to hydrogen, uh, and we can talk about that in a second. Oh, and, more and we will, yeah. Uh, but that also, you know, if, if you want to replace uh, uh, a, uh, all the fuel with hydro hydrogen-powered aviation, you need not just a nuclear power plant, you need the largest one that the world has right now just to make the hydrogen. Uh, right. Never mind the infrastructure power. Uh, uh, so, so, uh, so when you start thinking uh, uh, on this kind of scale, you realize no matter which path we take, it's, a, it's just an absolute revolution of a change that we need. Yeah, I, I, and you know, because aviation is is something that people do frequently, obviously, or it won't be a problem. But it's not an everyday thing for most of us. It, it's kind of easy to to sort of elide over that that it, that it, it there is a huge industry and a huge volume of of, of petroleum products, mo mostly you know kerosene mixed with a little bit of other other right. petrochemicals that that are that are powering all this. I mean, you you know, it's like oh well, just fuel it up and, and away you go. It is, but it's a mind-boggling amount of, of energy. That that has to be replaced by something that's not putting in a net amount of you know a net, net carbon into the atmosphere. Um, I think that's the the thing. But so let's go, let's go on. You know, you mentioned you know electric flight, hydrogen, and biofuels. Let's let's take those on one at a time. So there are companies out there trying to uh, to develop battery powered airplanes. You mentioned Rolls Royce. There are some other companies. I think there's the Beta Technologies that have. Uh, they, they had a plane that that made a, not in not in one you know fell swoop, but it, it went you know 1,400 miles across the country. So these are the but these aren't airliners, right? These are not the kinds of planes that that are going to take you across the Atlantic. Right. Uh, they're all small planes and they're all likely to stay small planes. And it's uh, something like, you know, of that 10 percent, you know, the, the, the emissions of the world, aviation is responsible for 10 percent of the emission, emissions that we have right now. Um, but it's it's uh, 95 percent is the larger planes. Uh, so so when we talk about those those battery powered <laughs> planes, we're right. we're not really cutting much off of the real problem there. Um, 
to to say nothing of the fact that batteries still catch fly a uh, fire. <laughs> right, right. Which is not <laughs> so what you want when you're flying, you know, at, at altitude. Right. Um, and I think th there's two points about that. One, one is that, uh, you know, this issue of, of the small planes versus the big planes. But another one is, this is another fascinating fact also told me, told to me by Epstein, is that, you know, a jumbo jet is an incredibly efficient vehicle. It's more mm -hmm. efficient than our, our power plants. So if you can power a battery with, with, uh, whatever fuel you have, better to put it in the inefficient, to replace the inefficient places, the coal powered plants, than to put it on the jumbo jets. The jumbo jets are already very efficient that even mm -hmm. though we want to cut down their emissions, that's the last place you would put a battery because it's so needed elsewhere. Um, right, so I mean, you know, if, if you're, if you've got, uh, if you've got your battery hooked up to the grid that's hooked up to a coal power plant, you're actually probably, adding net emissions versus just having the jet fuel fly, uh, powered airplane fly across the country. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that's, and if you, obviously it doesn't have to be powered by coal. I mean, there's a lot of interest in, in powering batteries with wind or, you know, solar power, but that even, I guess the, the underlying amount of, of power needed to, to, to run the airline industry, the aviation industry, probably is, it makes that sort of uh, prohibitively expensive. Well, right, but even regardless, I mean, the, that that sort of paradox uh, still exists, not exactly, <laughs> that it, the problem still exists that even if you're using all solar power, um, you'd still want to use that to replace the less efficient uh, mm -hmm. producers of, of electricity over the jumbo jets first. Okay. Um, so if we had all solar power, all renewable energy, yes, then we might want to explore uh, batteries on, on the larger planes. Okay. Um, but, but that said, I do want to say that, um, that you know, uh, all this research is certainly profitable. The, the smaller planes do cause some emissions. Um, also, there is a whole movement for hybrid planes that can, uh, mm. they can have um, pl planes as large as holding roughly 50 passengers. Uh, and so once you get to that size, as, as I mean, right now, batteries are not improving fast enough to ever make it make sense for the larger class planes. Um, but there could be a revolution in, in batteries. Everybody wants that. And we certainly want to be ready to use that should, should that happen, um, uh, even though that's a sort of a, a, just a, a pipe dream at the moment. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, that, that's like, oh, let's get ready to do this, but you know, it's probably never going to happen. It's, it's kind of like <laughs> me, me buying, you know, a pair of pants that are a couple sizes too small. I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'll be ready when I lose the 20 pounds, but um, so let's go on to the, to the, the next candidate door, door number two, hydrogen. Um, and again, hydrogen is, it's something that, that people glom onto. Um, Airbus is even, you know, developing hydrogen fueled aircraft concepts. Um, they, they don't have an airplane in, in, in the air yet, but they, they've got these concepts. And on the one hand, you could have, you could run them in a, if not the exact same gas turbines, a very similar gas turbines. Um, would produce no emissions. So uh, sounds like a perfect solution. What, what's the problem? 
Well, uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, it depends on who you talk to. Um, the the main problem is is uh, is just the massive infrastructure change that would have to happen. Um, of course, that would have to happen with uh, electric vehicles <laughs> too. Um, it's interesting that um, there was a there was a hearing um, about about sustainable aviation. Um, I think it was just last year. Maybe it was a couple of years ago. Uh, and and everybody that was uh, that participated in the hearing was very dismissive of hydrogen. Um, and a lot of that this, th that was about infrastructure, but a lot of it focused on uh, on the Hindenburg. It was yeah. mentioned repeatedly that everybody just fears an explosion. Um, and I, I think it's important to say that after talking to people uh, at Airbus and and a couple of the companies that. Um, that's not really an issue anymore. It's not that uh, it's no longer inflammable, but it's that uh, we have sensors to detect when it gets to high enough concentrations. Uh, it's pretty easy to find a leak. It's pretty easy to deal with it. Um, hydrogen is used in many other industries now very safely. Um, so, I mean, there's always the public imagination problem, but right. in actual terms of safety, I don't think it's an issue. Uh, but in, ter in terms of, again, producing it, uh, we're talking about a tremendous amount of of uh, uh, power to to do that. Um, I, I think it's worth saying. Uh, stop me if I'm jumping ahead, but that you know there are people trying to make interim solutions for this. Um, they're they're putting you know, uh, hydrogen hydrogen into pressure pressure vessels that will be delivered onto a truck, uh, mm -hmm. and they're very close to having a system that will at least put a few planes that have been retrofitted to, to handle hydrogen into the air using this system. Uh, right, this, this, I think in your, in your yeah. article, you, you, I think this is Universal Hydrogen, is right, that company? Exactly. Yeah, and so, I mean, it, it is, I mean, it does get around the idea of having to have either hydrogen production on the side of the airport or having the the pipeline infrastructure running from a refinery or from the the electrolysis area whatever to to the airport you just put it in a, in a truck at high pressure put it on onto an airplane which is good i guess but you know even even compressed hydrogen the energy density isn't very great. I mean, it's it's it doesn't weigh a lot, but there's not a lot of energy per per volume, and so you would have a lot of trucks running back and forth to the airport carrying carrying this hydrogen. And I mean, unless those are electric trucks or hydrogen powered trucks, they that would just create pollution. Right. I mean, all these things. <laughs> that's one of the frustrating things is when you're talking about batteries or hydrogen. It always comes down to the source of the electricity, whether it's going to make a difference or not. These right. are large, you know, meta-analysis that have to happen to, to figure out if it's the right answer or not. Um, but you know, companies like Universal Hydrogen are making steps towards proving that it's possible. Right. Um, of course, you know, um, uh, I've, you know, it's been pointed out to me and and several times by different people while writing this article that it's it's pretty easy to make. Of, not easy, but you can make planes that run on hydrogen or other things. You can do proof of concept. That's mm -hmm. not the issue. We don't right. actually need to prove that a plane can run on 
uh, battery or on hydrogen. We need to prove that it can be happen at a massive scale. And that's a whole nother situation. Right, which I think gets us to the, the next uh, candidate, door number three, the sustainable <laughs> aviation fuels. And I, yeah, SAFs or SAFs, I, I have, right. I just, I just, I just, sustainable aviation fuels, say it out straight for me. Sounds good to me. But, but the, and, and, you know, to a certain extent, that seems like the perfect solution because you've got, um, you're creating a fuel from biological sources, you know, waste, you know, agricultural waste or cooking oil or even raw sewage. And you're, you're, you're replacing the fossil fuels, all, all the, the carbon that, that, that is in these, these uh, sustainable aviation fuels comes from the atmosphere originally, and it's going to go back in the, uh, to the atmosphere. Zero net carbon emissions um, sounds pretty good. Um, and, and actually, there are some planes that have flown with at least mixtures of, of uh, 50% um, sustainable aviation fuels and 50% jet fuel. It, right. It works. So why, 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 you know, roll it out, right? Or, or am I missing something? <laughs> no, I think, uh, well, I mean, there, there's, some, there's some difficulties, again, with scale. Uh, but I was pretty surprised, uh, you know, I, just uh, to be plain about it, when I started this article, I didn't really know that much about them other than the general concept. Uh, and I was surprised to find out, you know, airlines are ready to use as much as they can get their hands on right now. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's not that there's been a few flights with them. There's been over 300,000 flights with them. Um, and, uh, and all of the, there, there are several uh, plants uh, that have been uh, contracted. They're, they're soon to be built. Uh, they haven't been built, but, but all their future, uh, yield of SAFs for the next few years have been completely bought already by uh, airlines. Um, and, and of course, all the stuff that's currently being produced is, is all been used. So, so it is a solution that works. Um, okay, well, sign me or wait, there's probably <laughs> something. What, what, what's, the, what's the catch? Well, one catch is right now that you can't right now that it's a mixture that they use. So they use 50% <clears throat> jet fuel and 50% SAFs. Um, and there's a reason for that, uh, even though they, they can, uh, in terms of fuel, it's almost a one-to-one -one replacement. There are some, uh, um, what, what are that? The, the, there's, they, there's a, I'm sorry, I've actually forgotten well, what it is. Well, the, the elastomeric seals, right? Yes, yes. They, the, the, and the, the current seals depend on that, on the kerosene for that. Um, and, they, and if you just use 100% SAFs, th those seals would, would dry up and crack. Um, now you could uh, use an additive to the to the SAFs and use closer to 100%. But uh, you know when you're talking about huge scales, uh, you know nobody mm -hmm. wants to have to test every, uh, you every know, batch, gallon yeah. that goes into mm -hmm. a, an airplane. Uh, so people tend to not like the idea of additives. Uh, but the newer planes that are built are built with different seals in part for, to, to satisfy this reason. So there's no reason to think that 50% couldn't move up uh, to, to a greater percentage in the near future. Um, but if, I think you know, the bigger issue is, is, is scale. Uh, right now, it's great whenever you say you're using waste uh, to, to power something, uh, everybody gets excited. But if you want to replace all jet fuel with SAFs, you're going to have to grow things <laughs> that aren't mm. waste, but they're grown just for um, 
just for the aviation uh, industry, that's not at all impossible. Um, But, you know, in a world where occasionally there is still food scarcity or at least security issues, um, they can raise an issue. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about, you know, global equity and, you know, if you're, you've got people who are going hungry in in the South and you're the the food that they could be eating is, you know, taking people jetting around from, you know, Europe to North America and back on vacation. That's kind of a hard sell. Which brings me to a point that, you know, nobody wanted to take on when I was writing this article. Um, And this is true with cars as well and other issues, but nobody even considers the obvious solution, which is fly less. Um, You know, it's just the the power of of the economy is not allowing that possibility. Um, And and we've all gotten used to this normal of being able to go anywhere in the world whenever we have the money to do so. Mm -hmm. And nobody is backing down from that for uh, to a a different normal, which seems to be the one that makes sense, especially with the population continuing to grow and wanting the things that everybody else wants. Sure, sure. No, I think that, yeah, I mean, obviously, we, you know, we we live in a society where where more is is the answer to every question, and so we we have to, uh, yeah. I mean, perhaps we need to reconsider that. But you know, um, engineers are in in the uh, in the business of 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 finding solutions to to, to problems. Um, given your reporting, given everything that you've you've seen over the the months that you've reported this article for us. What, what do you think is going to be the ultimate outcome? I mean, is it going to be our, our sustainable aviation fuel is going to be the, the big winner? Is it going to be a mixture of that and hydrogen? Is it courses for courses? What, what are we looking at? Is it, is, it, right. is it airships? I mean, please say it's airships. I, <laughs> I love those things. It's going to be jetpacks. Is the ah, great. <laughs> um, uh, no, I think it's, I mean, it's important to point out, uh, you know, s- some of these people that advocate SAFs are skeptical of hydrogen and vice versa, but mostly people are actually all in agreement that F- S- SAFs are the immediate solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then hydrogen will probably start to replace it sometime in the future. And then maybe if there's some great leap with batteries, or if we you know, all switch to smaller planes or something, that, that can also be a solution. So I think everybody is working with m- many different solutions, uh, uh, not just for now, but over a timeline of what we can do right now. I mean, the people I talked to were really, uh, you know, maybe I can, I can interject this, that I think in the public imagination, there's always this argument about whether, you know, climate change is real or not. And you have to Mm. deal with climate deniers. And that's where our arguments lie in our mind. But when you talk to researchers, uh, that's not even a discussion. Um, They are ready to change and they realize it is absolutely, you know, imperative that we do it now. And so Mm. some of these researchers are saying, what can we do right now? That's the most important thing. And that's why hydrogen researchers and, and companies that, that are looking into batteries, they all will say the same thing that we've got to get going with the, with the SAFs. Um, uh, maybe, and since we're talking about this timeline issue, I thought sure. it's, it's important to interject this other thing um, that, that uh, this idea of contrail avoidance. Okay. Um, that's something that we can do right now. Um, according to one of the researchers I talked to uh, that, the contrails in that, that are formed in cold, wet air are 
responsible for maybe 50% of the climate impact of, of aviation. That, that hmm. sounds high to me. I don't know, but it's still a huge percentage. Um, and it's really easy to avoid making them you because we can detect where that cold, wet air is and we can avoid it. And then the flights take a different path and they don't make a contrail um, and they, they don't trap the, uh, the, the heat that they would otherwise. Um, and that, uh, you know, that requires only a 1% increase in fuel uh, to, to change the flight pattern in a way that really will not make flights in any way longer or more difficult for a pilot or a passenger. So, so basically increase fuel cost by 1%, increase fuel related emissions by 1%, which could probably be counterbalanced by just adding some, some SAFs here and there. Right. And then you, you eliminate as much as 50% of the climate impact. Right. Um, yeah. That's, and that's a big one. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's not as uh, sexy, if you will, as batteries and hydrogen and other brand new flashy technologies, but um, it seems like it's the, the fastest way to make an impact right now. Well, I, that, I, I, okay. Hey, um, airlines, <laughs> let's, let's get on that. Um, well, I think, you know, we have to leave it there, which is actually a good place. It's, it's like a positive, positive um, solution. Um, Michael, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, again, my, my <laughs> pleasure. Uh, Michael Abrams' article, Fly the Climate Friendly Skies, is the cover story of the October-November issue of Mechanical Engineering Magazine in the mailboxes of uh, the members of ASME. And it's also available online at asme.org. Um, that's it for us today. If you'd like to hear more great conversations on engineering topics, please subscribe to ASME TechCast on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. For all of us at ASME, I'm Jeffrey Winters, wishing you a great rest of your day.